We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Three. The NFL is going insane. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz, currently recording on a Thursday night as you have the Chiefs facing off against the Chargers in what is shaping up to be a crazy week of action in the NFL. Curtis, it looks like your hometown Browns might need to pull you in off the street to play quarterback or another position. Uh, a lot of COVID implications as we head into the fantasy playoffs. I'm super ready, man. I keep my body ready just for these types of <laughs> scenarios. So, uh, hey, Coach Stefanski, give me a call, man. Uh, I can give you a couple of plays. <laughs> um, this, this week, seriously, man, it... It's just it's just unfolding to be a totally nightmarish end to the season. Um, you know, I, I don't want to derail into a bunch of you know pandemic and COVID talk um, beyond just keeping it at the fantasy level um, be, because it it will be it will literally become an emotional thing for me. Uh, we talk about on the show a couple times. Um, you know, my day job I'm I'm vice president of a. a major healthcare system and just been dealing with this for two years. And just to see the way that the NFL has handled this, uh, this week in particular, when they could have pulled the plug so early and saved these games, um, got everyone boosted and then figured out what to do um, about the protocols. And instead it really seems like they're making decisions based off of ticket sales. Um, And, you know, some teams are going to end up getting, you know, penalized because of their, uh, lack of, uh, I, I guess, lack of willingness to act quickly. Um, and, you know, that unfortunately, the, the Browns are one of those teams. I mean, the Ravens I see now have 25 guys out. Um, it's just 25, Dave, 25 guys on the guys. same team are out. I, I just don't know, you know, if you're the NFL PA, I mean, if, if I'm uh, JC Treader, Cleveland Brown, JC Treader, I, I mean, I'm calling the league office every hour and saying, is this really how we're going to decide our season? Is this fair to all of the other players who have been working so hard this year that we're going to basically have practice squad players playing in meaningful games in December 
who haven't played together all year. I mean, you're going to see injuries that wouldn't otherwise have occurred just from people being overmatched uh, in, in these scenarios. So I, I'm pretty frustrated. Um, I hope that all the players are okay. Um, you know, with this, with this, um, you know, breakout that we're having and, you know, wish them all, you know, the best of health, but, um, you know, we're here to break down or try to break down, I guess, the fantasy elements of it all, Dave. And geez, man, if, if there was ever a week to read waiver wire stuff, um, or to release a second waiver wire piece, this would be the week. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be hard for people to know what to do in many scenarios with their lineups. Um, I found myself really scrambling on Sunday last week due to some COVID implications and other things that arose. So this week it really is going to be a scramble. Definitely need to think about how you will address things that might come up in your roster and how you can shuffle things around to give you some outs. If players that you're relying on all of a sudden become unavailable. Um, Now a player that's going to be out, which could be impactful for a lot of teams. And he's not out due to COVID out to uh, an actual football injury. Unfortunately, DeAndre Hopkins, it looks like he's going to miss the rest of the season for the Cardinals. What do you do in a position like this? Well, I think that if you look at the rest of the team across the last four weeks, uh, Hopkins has been only involved in two of the games Um, In that time that he missed, we've seen a pretty even target share. Christian Kirk at 16%, AJ Green at 16%, Rondell Moore at 16%. I am not assuming that those players are necessarily available to you if you were a Hopkins manager, but the other players in that offense, perhaps now you feel better about slating them in um, if they are on your roster and you're looking for a player to fill in. Those uh, target shares are nothing to scoff at. And from a fantasy scoring basis, we've actually seen uh, on points per game, unfortunately, uh, none of these players putting up huge numbers. AJ Green, uh, just 8.2. Christian Kirk, 7.8. Rondell Moore, 6.5. Again, though, a pretty solid offense that might be able to put up, um, you know, a decent performance from one of those players here or there. Uh, just any thoughts though from you on uh, DeAndre Hopkins or the Falcon, or excuse me, the Cardinals' offense at large? I, I mean, I think the larger offensive trend, especially heading toward uh, the end of the season here, is it's James Connertown, man. Um, you know, I think that the team's going to continue to allow him to shorten games, keep that team healthy. They're not playing nearly as solid as they were earlier in the season, so try to maybe recapture. Um, a, a new rhythm um, with with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, not necessarily being a contributor the rest of the way. I think this team still has Super Bowl aspirations. We're going to have to see who steps forward. Um, you could see a little bit more action for Zach Ertz. You could see a little bit more action for Christian Kirk. Um, you know, I, I don't really have hope that the AJ Green would take over. Um, the, you know, and I think you know, of course, you mentioned Rondale Moore, maybe some targets beyond six inches of the line of scrimmage for Rondale yep. as a result of, uh, of Hopkins being out. But um, you know, who, who really knows what direction they'll go. I, I tend to think that it's going to be, you know, a wide open, um, you know, kind of true air raid style without any alpha commanding target share. That's really what we've seen the, the majority of the season. Anyway, it's not like Hopkins was totally dominating in 2021. Right. Um, so I, I just, I just think any, any pressure that may have existed in the huddle is now gone and you know they're going to truly just spread that ball around for sure so 
Uh, an unfortunate situation for managers with Hopkins on their team, you know, hopefully can benefit some of these other teams in the playoffs. But Curtis, I do feel comp- uh, an obligation to hit the fantasy headline sound effect because I don't know if people are aware of this. Urban Meyer, head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> no longer in what ends a truly terrible oh. experiment in hiring uh, a coach like Meyer for your NFL organization. Mm. I'm not sure if this has any major ramifications in the fantasy landscape, uh, but if anything, hopefully this sets up uh, for some of these young players on the team, Trevor Lawrence and company to have a new direction that they can go and try to turn that organization around. I think there's, I think there are immediate fantasy ramifications this week. I, I think, I think the Jaguars, I mean, they're playing the Texans. This is def- this is a this is a blow up spot for this whole offense now. Um, just totally uh, flipping Meyer the middle finger, uh, you know, as he as he walks away. Now he's he's laughing all the way to the bank. Uh, there is no chance he had any allies in that locker room. Zero chance. Um, we're only hearing certain stories that have led to his removal. For every story, there's probably a hundred more we don't know about, and th- there's just you know treating an NFL squad of professionals. Um, you know, like an angry dad would treat a seventh grade football team. Um, it's just, and and, and I'm obviously kind of sugarcoating that a little bit. I mean, he literally assaulted players. Um, I mean, he was kicking Josh, according to Josh Lambeau, he kicked him on a five out of 10 scale. Yeah. And, and Lambeau sticking up for himself led to like, really, I mean, the most tenured Jaguar, you know, pretty beloved person in that in that uh, city being jettisoned. So, I mean, it, the whole thing, you know, good riddance, uh, first of all, but I do think, I I mean, I'm very tempted to start Jaguars, not named James Robinson this week, even. I mean, I think if, if you're in a a spot and, you know, maybe you're, you're a manager who had been playing Baker Mayfield and um, for, you know, obviously we don't have him and you had Keenum, you know, you're just looking anywhere for, you know, another, another quarterback, I mean, I think Lawrence coming off the four interception game, probably people pretty down on him after last week. Maybe he's out there on the waiver wire. I think he's highly startable this week. I, I think he's going to thrive. I think you could see either Chenault or Jones have a big game. Um, I don't know if the Jaguars are going to win. I don't know. I still don't think they're that great of a team, but I think they have some extra motivation and it's going to be like, you know, the elephant on their chest got up and walked away. Uh, so I do expect some offensive fireworks. All right. Well, I hope you were right. I mean, it would be really fun to see LaVisca Chenault get unleashed uh, over the weekend. But we have more pressing matters. We talked earlier in the week um, about Jalen Hurts and Taysom Hill and how managers might have to make a decision. The audience has been listening to us because people did send in and ask us to talk about this as they do have these two players on their team. Just to reiterate, Jalen Hurts has been crushing it this year. He's been a QB1 in 75% of games. Unfortunately, his worst performance of the year did come in his most recent game in Week 12 against the Giants, where he only put up 8.2 points. This weekend, he draws his first matchup of the season with the Washington football team, a team that has been limiting passers to an average of 17.6 points across its last five games. On the other side of the equation, you have Taysom Hill, who we talked about 
has been the QB three over the last two weeks uh, in which he was starting for the Saints. They will be playing Tampa Bay. Um, if you look at the strength of schedule app, Curtis, they're relatively graded similar. Um, however, teams have been averaging 21 points against uh, the Buccaneers in recent games, but that's highly inflated due to Josh Allen's uh, 38 points uh, over the weekend. Um, other than that, you know, you had a Carson Wentz performance in there that was pretty good, but they've been kind of keeping quarterbacks in check. I think I know who I would roll with this week, but I'm gonna let you have the floor first. Yeah. Um, so first off, I'm right there with all of the listeners. I have this decision to make on four separate teams. Um, and now I also have this combination on some best ball squads. Um, and it, that's great because I'm going to get the points either way. Um, I, I am going to go with the player who's had uh, more overall, more overall PT um, this year and a player that I, I think has players on his team that can help uh, put up a big fantasy performance. So I, I just, you might've heard in the background as you were talking there, Dave may have heard me uncork a bottle. <laughs> might've heard it. I think it's going to come through on the, on the recording. I just opened up a bottle of 10 year Eagle rare. It's Jalen hurts, baby. This I, I'm opening the Eagle rare. This has been on my shelf for years. I opened it tonight in honor of this decision. So yeah, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts. And if I have this decision, I'm starting Jalen Hurts and I'm starting Jalen Hurts over many, many, many quarterbacks. I mean, if you've been riding them all year, you're going to ride them now. Um, I think that seeing Minshew uh, have some success uh, in the Eagles last game, this being a division game, Philly having something to play for. There's going to be a playoff atmosphere in this game, man. Uh, the Eagles and, and Washington, you know, they're both playing for something. Um, they're hanging on for dear life here. I think Jalen Hurts is a big time player. Uh, he always has been. I think you're going to see him and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard really get it going. He's going to do it with his legs. And uh, I, I just think, you know, he's had more overall looks this year. Whereas Taysom Hill, I mean, we've heard Arians say that the team's going to, you know, Buccaneers are going to basically key in on Kamara. And, you know, that could, that could force Hill to have to beat the Bucs with his legs. But I mean, the Bucs don't let anyone run. So I don't know why, uh, you know, a quarterback would all of a sudden be, you know, the one that would figure out how to beat that defense on the ground. And I just don't think he he has the the passing talent of Hurts or, you know, anywhere near uh, the receiving weapons that Hurts does. So I just think every check mark goes to Hurts here. And earlier in the season, Washington was very susceptible uh, to giving up fantasy points um, to opposing quarterbacks and uh pass catchers they've just been a little bit more solid over the last couple of weeks so i'm definitely going with hurts where are you going dave yeah for me i'm going with hurts as well it's actually a fairly easy decision for me as well came it comes down to a couple of things oh, that's good the first just being <laughs> i think in the terms of the way that i expect these games to play out uh feels like a better scenario or there's more scenarios that work out nicely in the favor of hurts than there are that work out for hill just the tremendous success that we've seen so far from Hertz, I think is all you really need to key in on. He has been very, very solid this year. And that's not the type of thing that I want to shy away from at this point um, for a player like Taysom Hill that I could see imploding. 
I don't see the implosion as very likely for Hertz. So that factors in as well. And uh, I, I'd imagine too that uh, there's more scenarios where he carries more upside into this matchup than Hill does. Though Hill is the type of player that normally has that, as you kind of highlighted, I don't think that this is the type of game where you should expect him to unleash that. So for me, it's fairly easy. I'm going to go with Hertz. I'm going to say that people listening to this may not hear the bottle corking due to some of the after processing I'm going to do, Curtis, and I'm feeling a little too lazy to go and make sure that it's in. <laughs> um, That's all right. But I, I have a That's related right. question to you or an offshoot of that question that perhaps you can remind or a question related to that topic of you popping some bottles open that we're going to revisit at the end of the episode potentially. Uh, but we got, okay. we got to press on here to our next topic which is related to a question that we received from a gentleman named Dave. Uh, good name. And I love these type of questions uh, because they give us something kind of unique to dig into. And it can kind of teach us a lesson that I think carries over to a lot of decisions other listeners may be making. So this is the message that he sent in. Hey guys, I love the show and content on Rotoviz and was wondering if you guys could help me out with a long running argument I have with my co manager on one of my dynasty teams. We have a stack squad in a 12 team league, one quarterback, one running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, two flex with lots of options at wide receiver, including Godwin and Evans. My co manager contends that we limit our ceiling if we play both Godwin and Evans. Well, I argue that we may increase our variance, but if Godwin and Evans are better players, then should we start them? What do you guys think? Is it a concern starting both guys in general? Thank you for your response. I appreciate you taking the time. Then they had uh, a little addendum here. Full disclosure, all healthy. We could also choose from Pittman, Waddle, DJ Moore, receiver, and Eckler, Gibson, uh, Elijah Mitchell at running back. So my intuition on this, Curtis, was that we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A, you don't necessarily limit your ceiling by starting two wide receivers on the same team when you're dealing with two wide receivers that are perennial top 24 type of guys and have been very good at putting up wide receiver one, wide receiver two performances. Uh, and, you know, some of the best fantasy wide receivers over the last couple of years also playing in a very good offense. Uh, that was my intuition. Uh, but I did go and pull some numbers to give us a little bit of support of a way that you could kind of contextualize this. So the first thing I did was just look at how many times this year uh, Tampa Bay has produced games 
where at least two of their team's wide receivers finished in the top 24. Now, I didn't do an exercise here where I limited just to Godwin and Evans because I feel like Antonio Brown is a pretty talented wide receiver on par with these guys. He was there for games in the beginning of the season, which made it a little bit more challenging for the pair of Evans and Godwin to get in there, uh, which I think is reasonable. But in seven out of 13 games this season, the Buccaneers have had two wide receivers finish in the top 24. That's a rate of 54%, which is supremely impressive when you consider the fact that a wide receiver like Jamar Chase, who's the wide receiver nine on the season in points per game, has been a wide receiver one or wide receiver two in just 39% of games. Tyreek Hill, just 36 now, that's not to say that all of the top end sh- or top shelf wide receivers end up there like Justin Jefferson's at something ridiculous, like 86%. But you can see that 54% is, is pretty solid. Also, uh, through week 13, I didn't have time to get into the database and pull week 14 into how I was approaching this. But through week 13, there were 61 times where a team produced two wide receivers finishing in the top 24. So that means that through week 13 in 16% of games, teams had multiple wide receivers finishing in the top 24. So that right there, I think spoke a little bit to the limit, you know, the idea that upside might not be limited. I also checked to see if there was a correlation in scoring this year between Evans and Godwin. There really is no correlation, which I think makes it hard to say that in a given game, you are necessarily limiting the upside or that you are introducing variance. Although I do think the idea of introducing variance is the more compelling argument here, but I'm not sure that either necessarily hold. But the more telling thing is I went back to 2019 in that time in games in which they both play. Godwin has averaged 17.3 points. Evans has averaged 15.4. I then looked at games when Godwin has scored 15 or more points. In those games, Evans is actually averaging 15.8 points above the average across that time span. And in games where Evans has gone over 15, Godwin is actually averaging 19. So in both cases, players are going over their average. So I think that's just further in support of the idea that you're not limiting upside. And then finally, In 27% of games that both players have been in going back to 2019, um, both of them have scored 15 or more points. So that means in 27% of games where they're both playing, you are getting 30 or more combined points from the two of them. Uh, Now, I understand that somebody could say something like, well, that's not really cutting at the idea of if we're trying to get like a 35 or 40 point performance into a roster. You know, that doesn't really address that. Well, I also took a look and I can tell you that there have been a couple of games where one of the players has gone over 30 and the other has been around 20. But in most of their games where one of them has a good game, they're combining for somewhere around 45 or 50 points. Now, it's true that maybe you trot out. um, I forget exactly who this guy had, but maybe you trot out like Evans on a team with like T Higgins and uh, like Jalen Waddle, And maybe they all have the opportunity to hit that 40 points. But I think that if you focus on the players on your team that are most likely to have 
big games, you're going to think that Godwin and Evan should both be in there. So by not starting both of them, you're removing one of your best dart throws at it. We know that the odds of you hitting like all three of them or even two are very low. So I think that's further of the reason that you should have them both in the lineup. And from looking at the math, I don't see anything supporting the idea that you are necessarily limiting your upside. I just said a ton of stuff, but I'm imagining that you agree. Um, I do. The only thing, yeah, I don't really have any, any pushback there. Um, the only thing I can do is add some, uh, specifics to the conversation. He did actually give us some names. Yep. Um, you know, the, the guys to choose from, um, at receiver would also be Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddle, DJ Moore. Um, now I looked in the GLSA, uh, the GLSP app and, um, we've got Evans and Godwin both sitting inside like the top 18 this week with Godwin um, having one of the highest 75th percentile scores and Evans having a very high average score. So, I, I mean, that does tend to support the variance is on both sides. You know, the variance is on both sides. You know, there's a good chance one of them goes off. Also a chance that it just it's one of those weird divisional games where Tampa Bay wins 19 to six and the whole offense flops. Uh, and you and you get nothing. So, um, you know that you, there's there's variance on both sides. But listening to the other names that you have available here, I mean, I think Jalen Waddles on IR on, on COVID IR. I'm pretty sure I saw that today. So you're really looking at Michael Pittman, DJ Moore versus the the pair of of Bucks receivers. Then we have some running backs. I think he probably played Eckler tonight. Um, so it would come down to Antonio Gibson or Eli Mitchell at running back. You know. I think if you want to take a floor stab at it, um, you know, maybe you could go the Elijah Mitchell route. Um, but I think, man, knowing that the rest of your team is stacked, um, like you said that it is, I think I start both of these wide receivers. Me too. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, you're, you're in a good spot. Um, if you were, if you were desperate to basically start your highest floor because you didn't really, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it was, a um, uh, uh, like a start nine league or something like that, where, you know, you're, you're going to make some wrong start sit moves no matter what, but that's not, that's not the case here. Um, you've got a little bit of a, a, a deeper situation. And, you know, I, I think that you should win this argument with your co-owner, um, or you should just wait till like three minutes before kickoff and make sure that both of these guys are in the lineup. <laughs> yeah. You know, the other point I want to make too, um, if you have somebody telling you that you're limiting your upside, uh, by starting two players on the same team that also probably happen to be the best wide receivers that you have, I would then just argue that you're limiting your upside by not starting the players that literally have the most upside given, you know, what is supported across multiple seasons, um, you know, which might be kind of tautological that I kind of already got at that. But anyway, get Evans and Godwin yeah. in there. Uh, Curtis. Yeah, I'll, I'll, add one, yep. I'll add one more thing. I'll just add one more thing. If If for some reason... You guys just can't agree on it, okay? You, you can't agree on it. And he's like, you can pick your buck, and I'm picking one of these other players. If it comes to it, I'm going to start Godwin over Yeah, Evans. me too. Yep. Um, when, I, when I look at the, the, the Bucks versus the Saints, whether it's within the Tom Brady era or even if I go back a little further and include like a four-season look rather than a two-season look, um, they've played against the Saints in seven appearances together on the field and Godwin's averaging about five and a half more fantasy points per game um, over that stretch. Um, that's true of over the four year stretch. And it's also true 
over the two-year stretch just with Brady. So if you got to go with one, go with Godwin. But I could certainly see either player or even both getting there. Yep. Yeah. So I would feel good about uh, both of those guys in particular, Godwin. So Curtis, if you have a couple of minutes, uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions here. What was the beverage that you said you were, uh, you know, opening up tonight? Um, Eagle Rare. It is a uh, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Um, it comes from the Buffalo Trace Distillery. It's one of their uh, handful of brands that they have down there. And this particular bottle um, is actually uh, special because I I uh, picked it up last time I uh, saw my buddy Ryan McDowell. Um, he actually, um, I, you can't get this stuff in Ohio. Um, and he had made a run in Kentucky for me. And when I saw him, um, you know, we, we did a trunk to trunk transfer. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, yeah, th- this is, a, this is a great bottle of 10 year bourbon. Dude. All right. So, so here, here's my question for you. Um, my wife and I not big drinkers, so we don't really have like anything stocked at our house. We have some people coming up for Christmas and family that's going to be here with us for like a week. Oh, I love this question. I think there's some people, you know, that would be interested I will drink if other people are, but you know, like I said, I, we don't normally do it. So I don't have much knowledge. Let's say that I wanted to have just like a bourbon on hand that could serve some purposes. That's a safe bet that people are going to enjoy, but you know, maybe something nice for the holidays. What would you recommend? you just, yeah. So, well, well, first off, if you're only have like one bottle of booze around for a party, bourbon's not going to be it. Right. So you can, um, you can add to that it, too. Cause I was going to then offshoot and say, you know, like, what do you think are like two or three other things that we should stock in addition to that? But you can take the bourbon piece first. Cause I do enjoy bourbon. Sure. Sure. I, I would, I would play it straight. Um, you don't know, you know, and without knowing the families, you don't know if you're going to have people that would want to, that would turn their nose up at something that's too quote unquote, uh, common yep. or, or bottom shelf. Uh, but then you also could have some people that, you know, th- they don't want to try anything that is, um, you know, real niche. They want to know what they're actually drinking. And around the holidays, I just really love, uh, Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark is not a- a- offensive. Um, it looks great on the table. It's, you know, I got the famous red wax running down the neck. Everyone's going to know what it is. Anyone who's drank bourbon before, there's absolutely zero chance that they don't like Maker's Mark. And if they say they don't, they are a miserable person. It's an excellent, it's an, uh, there's no doubt in my mind. They are not the person you want to be sitting with at the party if they turn their nose up at at Maker's Mark. So that's where you go. Yep. Okay. All right. What other uh, three alcoholic, uh, you know, beverages do you think that you need that one needs on hand? Yeah. So, so if if you're just going to build a little mini bar, again, you want to have familiar brands. You don't want to necessarily break the bank because, um, you you and your wife may or may not ever get back into this for a while, um, after your party, um, based off what you're saying. Um, I'm going to go very, very, uh, middle of the road with, uh, a bottle of Bacardi. You want to have a nice white rum. It mixes with many different things. You can make all kinds of cocktails with it. People know what Bacardi is. You can get a nice bottle for 19 bucks. It's going to be fine. Yep. And then, but, but I'm with the vodka, with the vodka, I want to go a little bit better. Okay. Because if you, if you buy nice vodka, it just disappears in a drink. So if you've got people that are coming that are also like you, or maybe even for you and your wife who don't drink much yep. and don't like an alcohol taste, a high end vodka, that's just going to disappear in the cocktail. So you want to go with kettle one. Okay. Kettle, kettle one is my absolute favorite. There's many good choices out there. I could give you a list, but you're, you're telling me you're just buying a couple bottles. Yep. So if you're, you're going to, going to go with a flight of three, uh, a flight of three liquors on the table or on the, uh, on the countertop for your party, I'm going with a bottle of Bacardi, bottle of kettle one, bottle of maker's mark, 
you're going to have a nice time. Excellent. Now, my father-in-law does enjoy a, a good a, a gin, different drinks with gin. Oh Do you have a recommendation yeah. for gin? Yeah, it depends on how much intel your wife can get. Okay. So if if he likes, so gin can be floral or gin can be like piney okay. almost, like lemony or piney almost. And so, uh, and people tend to have a strong feeling one way or another. The safer route is floral. Okay. Because it's less less offensive and it, you know again it kind of just tastes fresh in the drink. So you're going to go with a Bombay Sapphire. Wow. Okay. Bomb, Bombay Sapphire if you're going to take a, a floral, but if you're going to if he likes if he likes kind of and, and a lot of times the winter is when you would um appeal, you know, towards that kind of that piney taste, um you're going to get Tanqueray. Okay. And it's a, and it's a, it's a green bottle. You probably seen yep. it before. Wow. Dude, killing it. I think that we might have future, uh, you know, a future in, in a whole different genre of podcast here. Oh, that would be great, man. I, this is some off-season content. It's like, you know, hey, we, we can hit two Dynasty shows per week. And then the show in the middle is like uh, living it up with Dave and Curtis. And we just talk about the stuff we like. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun, man. Yeah, it would. So I think the moral of the story there is for people out there looking for bourbon recommendations. I, I don't know. You a connoisseur of any other uh, types of spirits or, uh, you know, anything else? Well, bourbon's more my passion. I probably got 40 some bottles on the shelf here behind me. Um, I'm not buying so many anymore. Cause I, I mean, this stuff will end up going to my kids. I'll never make it through right. all of this stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. And I think a lot of times people, I, I think that your tastes, uh, for certain types of, of alcohol or cocktails can change over the course of your life. And I also think that, um, uh, potentially the view that you've had of certain types of liquor or types of cocktails. Um, you know, if the last time you've really thought about that stuff was, was in college, um, you may want to, you know, reevaluate because the whole point of, of, of having a drink is to, to relax and have a good time and actually enjoy what you're sipping. Right. Um, and so, you know, that, that, yeah, I, I do think this is, this would be good off season content. Um, so, you know, we can, we can have people write in, share their, uh, share their, uh, cocktail recipes or, you know, ask, ask me to try a bourbon, uh, from my shelf. We can post a picture each week and we can do a little three minute review or something. It'd be fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, like that I, I hope you have a great, I hope you have a great party, man. That's going to, that's going to be really fun. Oh yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. So we're going to have the, the full house for it. So actually that brings us to the next point. Uh, our recording schedule next week will uh, prep people uh, next week, but you know probably be a little disjointed to compared to what it normally is. As I'm gonna have family up here, oh my goodness, pretty much all week. Yeah, with, you too, I'm sure yeah. have stuff going on. Yeah, with with the holiday and it's a little a little crazy at work yep. um, with with COVID spiking and um, I've got about 20 hours in um, in the last 34 or something like that. Uh, so it's been a, a long couple of days, and I think it's going to be that way. Uh, through the holiday, unfortunately. Um, and so, you know, got to make sure that we're doing the right thing for our staff and for our patients. But um, we'll, we'll make sure that we get these shows cut up. Uh, I could see us potentially maybe just doing two shows, Dave, yep. next week for the listeners. So we'll make sure that they're very impactful. Um, you know, maybe maybe some Dynasty content and, of course, uh, some Week 16 stuff uh, for the people who still have live squads. And then we can also check in, let the let the listeners know how we are doing with all these best ball bullets that are still living. Absolutely. Um, and Sean clarified for us last night in the chat, Dave, that that our Hydra team in the main event is still alive. I thought she was dead. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hydra I lives. Know. Hydra lives. She's got another head. So uh, we're going to see if that team can hang on 
and uh, do some damage here in the fantasy playoffs. Yes. All right. Well, Curtis, appreciate you running me through uh, through that list there of beverages. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody out there will have more of a reason to celebrate uh, after this weekend as they continue through in the playoffs. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 